Hello, welcome to this graceful display. I'm Shepard, I'll be- Hey, lad! Bloody hell, Otto. What are you doing here? Same reason as you, I'll bet. Oh, aye. When did you find out? Same time as you, lad. Just not as quick as finding a new job, or so it seems. Well, it's been hard even before this. Considering taking on new rivals, I don't know. Maybe even the Ashes? Can't just sit around. Ah, uh, ah, uh, I suppose not. How are you finding working in the mask, though? Oh, now to it. For a bit I was working for the Scorpion, so it's nothing new. Ah. Uh. Well, pulls a pint of something good, lad. Let's have a chat before I go. For old time's sake. This is The Art of Warcast, a podcast about Legend of the Five Rings, the living card game from Fantasy Flight Games. Your hosts are Tobin Opus, Carl Anderton, and Doug Keister. Episode 65. What the fuck? All right, welcome. I'm Tobin Lopez. I'm Carl Anderton. And I'm Doug Keister. What are we up to today, Carl? Well, here we are again. At least Tobin and I are here again. The uh, well, end of era approaches, where um, L5R is officially announced to, uh, to be coming to completion, according to FFG. I guess we'll um, pick that little event apart <laughs> and have a talk about what, what, we've been, what we've been doing, what we might be doing in the future, and what on earth is going on. Yeah. Yeah, where do yeah. where the fuck do we go from here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, like I say, so, I mean like I, so I'd like to go ahead. First off, first off, you know, I think that we should issue a disclaimer. <laughs> this is going to be a little raw, folks. <laughs> so, pardon our language or at least pardon my language. Uh and yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh to cover the news, right? The uh underfooling shadow the cooperative expansion, deluxe expansion, was announced uh, this past week. And together with that was one sentence that said, this product will complete the game, the card game, the L5R, the card game. Uh, so what people have been fearing for some time has now come to pass. And, um, you know, we will talk about that. And this is the fourth time that I've been through a game ending, actually the fifth, <laughs> uh, because games end, right? If you're not Magic, if you're not Yu-Gi-Oh, if you're not Pokemon, uh, games end. Uh, this is the, yeah, third, the was... second time for L5R. I was hoping to get more out of this, uh, and we actually got more than, more, three years. more than we did out of Conquest. Um, yeah, jeez. Not, not as much as we did out of Netrunner, so, you know, it's it's kind of split the difference there. Um mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what I'd like to kind of like first reactions, right? Did you? I mean, we talked about this. It's been a while since our previous episode. Um, we are all hanging in there. Um, we none of us have gotten our vaccine shots yet. <laughs> we're all not in that. We're not in that group. We're not in those groups. Uh, I hope that anyone listening to this is doing as well as you can. I know it's challenging. I myself have been challenged with quite a few things over the last uh, what eleven, twelve months now. Yeah. So I hope that I hope that everyone is staying safe, staying healthy, and if you're in Texas, staying warm. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll have plenty of water, plenty of food. Yeah. yeah. Many things have changed since we recorded, I think, um, God, when was that? May? July. 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 Yeah. So a lot of things have changed since July of 2020. Um, the most significant of which probably is just the, the mental turning of the calendar to 2021. <laughs> so we're not there anymore. Well, um, and the and the, the wonderful mental slide into, has anything changed yet? Yeah, you know, exactly. As the year began. Exactly. You know, one of my huge disappointments is, okay, so I, I've said before I'm not a huge fan of playing the game on Jigoku. Right. Uh, I it's it's been it's it was it's just a little too grindy for me, and there's not enough of what I look for in a card game, which is face to face human interaction, that jocular you know back and forth, you know, mm-hmm. ribbing each other, talking while you're playing the game. Yeah, the physicality of handling the game, you know? Yeah, the, the, yeah. the physicality, the social aspect of it. Mm-hmm. The pointing to somebody's card and saying, I hate it when you play that because it always fucks me over. Things like that, you know? <laughs> Being able to have that, that, you know, that table talk. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, so as, as, I'm, as, I'm, as the vaccine's been rolling out, as, you know, uh, as I've, you know, my parents have gotten their vaccines, my in-laws have just gotten their vaccines, they're all, you know, 70 plus, so they're in that, you know, you know, one B whatever group, you know, they, so I, you know, I've been looking forward to possibly having my vaccine soon, you know, definitely, you know, if not, I mean, it's going to be a few months still, but whatever. And I was looking forward to getting back into the saddle of, you know, our Wednesday night league night at total escape, you know, pulling out, you know, my latest unicorn or whatever deck and throwing some cards down. I was really starting to look forward to that. And yeah. so I'm kind of gutted with what has happened. I sort of yeah. saw it coming, but it's still I'm still gutted by it. Yeah. Well, and and that's the thing. This this entire time they've been putting out product, right? Well, there was a pause there while while COVID, while everybody trying to adjust to the to a COVID world. But besides that pause, they've been putting out product, and I've been getting it. I I'm up to date on my packs. Right? So am uh, I. And um, I haven't gotten the latest one, which just came out in the last 24 hours. Uh, that's oh, coming to uh, me in the mail from FFG. Um, I'll have to go pick that up from Total Escape. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> I'll be getting I'll be getting that soon enough. And I, 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 my bitterness is that I, what are the chances? I, every time I get those packs, I'm like, look, I look at these and I'm like, I wonder what they will do to the game. Because like you, Doug, the... The in-person play means that I want to play Jigoku, but without yeah. the in-person play, there's no impetus to play Jigoku. And I, I like you, I just can't get into it. Like I need the physicality. I need the bullshit oh. artistry of, of sitting across the table from somebody. You know, we'll talk about the future some more, uh, you know, later, maybe a little bit later in the cast. But, you know, if this game does go fully digital, I'm, I will get more into Jigoku. I still plan to play this game... Uh, I'm paying attention to the Shoshi Niki thing that's going on, the, mm-hmm. the community that's spinning up. I do plan to buy the community cards and work with those. That's cool. So, so mm-hmm. I, I'm not giving up on this game. I want to. I want to. I want to stay with it. But I also have to move on to most of my play to something that's that might that people around me are going to play. That you know, that the people you know that I can get face to face with. Totally. So. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. My my deal is is that I look at these cards that I've been buying and I go, 
will I play with these things? <laughs> will I play with them? And it's so sad to have these cars that that we've looked forward to having. And I, I remember the excitement of having new cards and being, oh, okay, this, this pack is great. I'm going to use this one, this one, this one, and I have to prepare and I have to think about how I'm going to get around this one, this one, and that one. But now you get the pack and you look at the pretty pictures and you go, okay, put it on the shelf. Um, and that's been – and then with the the looming sense of, oh, shit, is this game over with? Is Will I play with these cards? So that, that really sucks for me. It's interesting because first up for me um... – I think the game felt like it was gone halfway through last year. Like between the pandemic changes, between the the circumstances of the the slowing level of release information, you know, FFG itself backing off on other projects, other things dropping away. Yeah. It, um, I, I'm not surprised. I'm certainly not surprised by now to hear of the end of the of the completion in inverted commas of the game. But it felt to me like it was on its way out. Like I say. Before we'd done that um, last podcast, I would say. Um, and I don't know, it's a weird feeling for me because la- this last year, this last 12 months passing has been a lot of big shake-up for me anyway, a lot of big changes. Mm-hmm. So well, something like this kind of going as well is sort of just, oh, okay, you know, that's part of the course. just another notch on the belt, yeah. Well, so here's where I'm going to start letting things hang out a bit. Uh, <laughs> so for the entire life of this card game, I have been under an NDA, a playtester NDA for L5R. And I don't think that has ever expired. There was a there was a point in the middle, uh like around It does the expire pack. after one year. It does expire. I don't think I was ever year, so. Yeah, I don't think but I was ever out of it long yeah. enough for it to expire though. Oh, there right, was right, right. Yeah, I didn't playtest every pack. I didn't playtest every product. I play tested most of them. I think Tobin actually play tested all of them. Uh, um, no, but I was involved with them all. I either play tested them or I was a proofreader editor for them. Right. Yeah. So I've been playing. We I've been playing this game since the end of 2016 when we started play testing, mm-hmm. and I am absolutely in love with this game. And I was a play tester for Underfooling Shadow. So it's interesting having that bookend that I got to playtest the first thing, product and the last thing. Uh, so that, that you know, I'm, I have kind of mixed feelings about that. I will say that Under Fooling Shadow is good. We did our best as we could as a playtest play group. And I think it's actually kind of a good capstone to the game. I just wish that that product had come out sooner. The, the, the co-op mode is good. And I th- wished we had had it like at the beginning of the game. Yeah, I and and that's one thing. If I uh, Underfooling Shadow is fun, like it it's, really it is, fun. is fun. Like it's I, hard. Yeah, Doug and I tested together uh, two against the deck. So there's three formats you can use here. You can do well. I see it as three formats. You can do a single person against the deck. You can do multiple people against the deck, or you can do mil- multiple people against a person playing the deck, playing the Shadowlands deck. The Shadowlands deck is already uh, tells you, you know, what to include in it. There's there's rule sets for doing that, similar to the co-op games that you've seen FFG, you know, create in the past. Yeah, and there it are is some similarities a to Marvel Champions. Blast! 
It is. Oh, it is. It does. Like you are playing uphill the entire time. <laughs> and there's oh. little slivers of hope that you have. And then they get dashed or maybe you punch through and it feels so good to have played that. And the it cards feels... are amazing. They're, the cards are beautiful. That black yeah. is just that that negative oh, yeah. is amazing. <laughs> it feels the playing the playing against the Shadowlands sort of feels the the analogy I'm going to use is feels like you know swimming uphill against an avalanche. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's it's not it's it's a difficult game, but it's a rewarding, challenging, fun experience. Yeah, and the the fate mechanic where. You, the the deck pays the fate for the characters and there's a way there's a ranking system uh, so that you know what characters you know what characters the deck is going to play and then the character gets a certain amount of I think it's support cost or support uh, reinforcement it's a reinforcement number and that's how much fate you place on it from the pool that then keeps that character into play uh, hmm. and then there is a the, there's a great the, the structure to uh, declaring attacks and declaring defense and declaring defenders, declaring attackers. Uh, it's a very well-streamed game. I had a blast. I, I play-tested it as a solo, and, we, and Doug and I play-tested it as a pair against the deck. And in both cases, it was just fun. It, it just need, was. And, and, and I will uh, – yeah, okay. Yeah, sorry. There's a few of those games that we played where we needed one or two more people against the deck. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there's a couple of games. There, there were a few games where we played where it was like we're keeping up, we're keeping up, and okay, we lost. You know, by the skin of our teeth. There were a couple of games where it's just like, well, fuck me, we lose, and it's only turn one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was there was there was a couple ones, and I don't remember if this was early in the playtesting cycle or later. But there were a couple games where we just got smashed, where it was like oh, yeah. turn four is like, oh yeah, this this isn't going well. <laughs> there's there's nothing we can do here. This is done. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's fun. Get it, play it, enjoy it. And uh, I think it's it it turns L five R a bit into a board game, which is nice. So there is there is a kitchen table replay value. Yeah, yeah. And so it, it, you're going to need a lot of space, too. Use the dining room <laughs> table, folks. You'll need it. Uh, <laughs> like we were talking about last summer. My, from my viewpoint about the cancellation, I think that, and I have no insight. But I have to preface this with saying I have no insight to how FFG makes decisions. I don't know if True. it's a group decision. I don't know if it's a group telling a leader and the leader makes the final call. I don't know if it's a group decision that they vote on. I have no clue, nothing at all. So here's what, here's what my thinking is. I think that the skirmish format that Tyler came up with was, was a way for him to put into place a way for more people to join the game. And maybe just maybe the, the, the ink hadn't dried on the decision to, to end the game. Maybe they decided then, maybe they decided after the skirmish. I don't know, but it seems like the skirmish was a way to Tyler said it's a skirmish and draft were ways to bring people into the game. Mm -hmm. And it would have worked. 
and it probably would have worked. Yeah, the skirmish format had the skirmish had COVID not hit, the skirmish format would have had a chance to succeed. And yeah, because we might we, not be talking about this. Because when when did we talk? When did we when did were we talking about skirmish and and draft? Skirmish got released right. like early March. Right. It's start. Or we started talking February. about draft yeah. at Worlds. Yeah. I still I still have my draft pack from Worlds, and I'm that's something I'm gonna treasure that I've got physical cards <laughs> that I don't have to print and play. You know, we were so we so we were doing draft at Worlds 2019. And then, yeah, like yeah. a few months later, like, yeah, it was spring of 2020. We get, it was like late I'm late looking winter, at the post. Spring. It was March 20th when he announced that, when it was okay. announced on the on the FFG right. boards. So it was after Colorado had started to shut down. Right. And and we were, and we had been, if I remember correctly, we play tested Skirmish at least a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that, and it's fun. Skirmish is fun. So those two things being codified official releases i've also we've also played what the big box format and the one that oh oh the one that i bought those third party cards for the the fan cards uh oh, oh right daimyo thank you daimyo format so we've been playing we've been played a little bit of daimyo we'd played a little bit of the big box format that's those are both good but then but having those two having skirmish and draft as codified in the official rule book and I hope they release a final rule book that just has like that's like a compendium of all the rules. That would be nice. Uh, you know, those things I think would have brought more people into the game had the pandemic not hit. Yeah, yeah. So and, it was. It was. I think. I think, from my viewpoint, it was skirmish was a final push, and when it just didn't get a chance to materialize, and FFG. Uh, you know, they're, they're a business, right? Like they're, they're in it. If they're looking at the, they're looking at the numbers and they're saying this isn't profitable for us any longer. There's no reason for, to expect them to go on. Um, well, Netrunner ended because two companies couldn't come to a decision. Uh, yeah. Conquest ended because two companies come to, couldn't come to a decision. Netrunner ended the first time because uh, it wasn't profitable. Right. Yeah. So yeah. like, there, there are reasons that game it, games end that have nothing to do with the how passionate the fans are about the game. Um, Honestly, it's at least, it's, least when I say end, I mean you know official support. So right. So I'm gonna there. I've I've been sort of paying attention to some of the the chat on L5R Discord, uh, where I where I, I still lurk there, but uh, I don't I don't talk much. This game has always been a niche community. And also, uh, Basley Bub put up a couple of articles on Imperial Advisor that talk about opening the Black Scrolls. You should read those. Mm -hmm. Those have some good insight into the game and why it's ending. Basically, this game had two things against it that made it, that made it hard to keep it a going concern. One is solvable. Actually, they're both kind of solvable. One is the growing card pool, the, the buy-in. People, lots of people have been talking about that. Buying in as a new player is hard at this point. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Had they, you know, had they done like Agot style or uh, Arkham style like intro decks, that might have gotten some people in. Especially if they had, uh, you know, like intro decks plus skirmish format, 
that could have been a gold a gold mine right there. Uh, so so that's that's one. Yeah, is, okay. that's one thing that the game has against it: in the growing card pool and just the the mountain of buy-in. Right, right. The other one is, and we talked about it. We talked about it way back at the beginning. This is a uh, what, would, what did we say? It's a uh, a complicated or a complex game with complicated interactions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whatever we said back. It's two too years heavy. Ago In yeah. shorthand, it's just too heavy for a card game. You you, you said two things though. You said barrier to entry and barrier to entry. Right. That's the, yeah. That's basically, well, that's the that's the biggest thing about five bar. But it's two different barriers to entry. Oh, totally. Yeah. But my point being that they're both solid barriers to entries. So someone's going to overcome pretty much both my point of those. Too, yeah. yeah. To get in, you know, like it's looking looking at the way I've seen things, both from a regular player, a commentator on on the subject, and as someone who got to try and sell this to people. Right. That's part of the reason I think I saw the end of this coming more, is I knew what stores and things were thinking about it, which is you know one of the litmus tests for how a game is doing in terms of official support, but not the be all end all. Right. You know. Well. Um, can I make one quick comment? Uh, yeah, hold that thought. The, the reason why I saw it ending, why I knew back when we did our last episode back in July of last year, I knew the game was probably over mm-hmm. because I have been a playtester for this game since the beginning and I know how FFG playtests. And I also knew that the, this, the, the fooling shadow was the, the last thing that came out of playtest mm-hmm. before the pandemic hit. Yeah, so, and we didn't know whether to, to attribute that to the pandemic or what, right? Like yeah. that was that was where I was still had my I hopes. Was... We were hoping that there were cards being developed and that as soon as the pandemic ended, they would start up a playtest group. Yeah, that's what yeah. I was hoping. Yeah. So I'm sorry, Carl. I interrupted you. You were talking. No, totally. Selling yeah, it. And, and, and talking talking about that subject there. <clears throat> it's a really interesting one because. I look at something like um, there's card games coming up. We're going to talk about later, like uh, the Vampire, the VTM Rivals. Yep. Where it's where it's an an, an FFG style complete box set ready to go play, right? Yep. And you talked there about um, Arkham and, and Game of Thrones getting a little bit of the intro deck style yep. system, right? And there's a really good discussion there to have in terms of when you're releasing product for an ongoing game, particularly something that has a, a long term game-as-a-service situation, which basically is what collectible card games are, right? They're, they're physical games-as-a-service. They they do things over time, they keep people invested, they build up the product that they take, they take part in, right? And they have the problems that games-as-a-service can have, which is one of the barriers to entry being getting a new person in, right? All this stuff, all this, all this other stuff you have to deal with. I'm going to mention one of the games I play a lot of, Aeon's End, which mm-hmm. is a little cooperative card game, and Aeon's End releases two types of products. It does fairly regular, large, individual box games that both are a game you can play on its own. Here is a piece of Aeon's End, which is a game, and that's the material that gets added into the pool of available cards as well, if you want to do that, right? So kind of like Smash Up? Sort of, yeah, essentially so, yeah. The idea that, imagine if L5R didn't release individual um, cycle packs, but released a deluxe, a double-sized deluxe box every year. But each deluxe box was completely playable. That's what Aeon's End does. As well as that, Aeon's End does occasional small expansion packs. Now, the one of the things I I constantly saw in the community was people going, why do they keep doing these big single standalone boxes? That drives me nuts. Why can't they just give us new things to add to what we've currently got and not have all this... You know, they would complain about having repeated started cards. When people buy um, 
whenever we encountered intro decks for L- for LCGs, people would be saying like, I don't want another copy of basic money card, right? I don't want to pay for that. I just want the other cards are in this deck and things like that. And and what I'm kind of getting at here is is that there's this constant tension between those two types of players, right? The the, the and con- honestly, this type of consumer, the people who are buying in for the long term and will collect everything that turns up, and who get tired of feeling like they're rebuying stuff and t- and get tired of feeling like so much effort is put on the bringing new people in, right? Mm-hmm. Product wise, and then on the other side, you've got the person going. People have been playing this L5R game for five years. That must be good. Maybe I'll change my mind and step in. It's a really interesting problem to face. And I think that, um, getting back to what Doug said earlier, combining those tensions with what I think is the highest um, complexity-rated card game, collectible card game on BoardGameGeek's database, hit this, even even halving it down if you did for Skirmish or something like that, just Mm -hmm. hit this insurmountable problem. Yeah. This, this 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 like um Everest sized barrier to entry at that point. Every, you know? So I've been playing a little bit of uh Magic the Gathering Arena. Just, you know, I just to, you know, here and there I've mm-hmm. been pick, playing pickup games with some of the pre-built decks cuz I used to play Magic a lot and it's still a fun game. I I marvel at the simplicity of Magic the Gathering. And Magic the Gathering is not a simple game. Mm-hmm. Anybody who plays modern-day Magic knows that there are a lot of mechanics to deal with. But I marvel at the, as I'm sitting there playing the game, at the simplicity of of Magic in comparison to L5R. I think it's a front-loading problem. Because Magic is, without doubt, the most complex card game out there. If you take into account everything that you could physically encounter... The rulebook is a thousand pages. Yeah, yeah. The full rulebook is absolute insanity. But then turn that round to something like the amount of information you need to sit down and functionally play a game of Magic. The, the intro version is well. I used to teach people in ten lines, like easily. You know, yeah. like it, it was that straightforward. Whereas L five R followed the Euro game style to give an easy comparison, where a lot of its complexity is up front. It's in the mechanics of the game itself. The complexity you need to know to play at all. And again, we're kind of back to barrier to entry, right? Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting thing to do. It's an interesting different style of game, right? I mean, I, I talked about Aeon's End before. Aeon's End's basic rules of how you play a turn are very straightforward. They're very simple. All of its complexity is more like magic. It's in the interactions between cards and players, right? Whereas on the flip side, I'm trying to make a good, a good of a comparison. Um, something, actually going to FFG stuff, something like um, Arkham Horror, the board game or Mansions of Madness, where there's a lot of rules you need to know before you even move a piece on the table, right? Mm-hmm. There's that front-loaded complexity. It's it's a really tricky thing. The more we play games, the less we come to see that as a problem, I feel. I mean, me personally, I've said this a bunch of times, I love learning stuff, I love learning new things, I enjoy being presented the problem and having to figure it out and to push against that. Plenty of people don't. They want well, the aha from the first second, right? For a lot of us in the community, though, I, I, I know I'm not alone in this. There are parts of the game that, that there's so much, there are so many moving parts to the game that I was, I never felt like I had a complete handle on it. Completely how many, agreed. How many times have you forgotten Seeker Fate? How <laughs> many times? That's just simple. That's just triggers on the table, right? That's that's, yeah. that's cognitive weight. Cognitive weight with the cards in front of you. Let alone strategizing and long term planning. I've, I forgot Seeker Fate 
every damn game. <laughs> yep, yep, it's easily done. It's easily done. Yeah. It's, yeah, so yeah. it's got to be the most complex card. It's the most complex card game I've ever played. L5R might be the most complex competitive card game ever designed. It, it might point. it might be up there. I, I'm pretty certain. Last time I looked, it was the given the highest complexity weight on BGG itself as a collectible as a collectible product. Yeah. Now now why don't we? So I think I think we're all agreed here that that there's the two barriers to entry, and one of them is the complexity of the game, and that's that's isolated to L5R. And I would agree that that so many rules and the complexity of the game uh, was a barrier to entry. Now turning to the LCG model, right, and how it was successful for a time with respect to competitive card games. Uh, Agot won, um, Netrunner, uh, Conquest was a, uh, a marketing success, if not uh, a, a successful between two companies. Um, and then L5R was a, a good success, but that barrier to entry where three years in two well two years in you're looking at a couple of hundred bucks to have every card in the universe so and i that's don't... a I, I don't know that the lcg model i think what we're seeing is that the competitive lcg model is no longer financially um manageable sustainable i'm not sure i agree with that we'll have to see how some other companies do it I just think that FFG didn't know how doesn't know how to do it, and so, I, I'm I'm I'm. Well, FFG when I say, when I say the LCG all... model, like I mean specifically the LCG, the FFG LCG. There's different ways. Uh, Ashes did it for a while. Ashes One O did it, but they they ended right. But there was a they came up with a different model, which is this Ashes Reborn. This is Ashes Two Reborn which is a different model altogether, right? It's if they have the pre-orders to print the, 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 the expansion, they print the expansion. If they the don't way, have the pre-orders, they don't. Well, Renegade, the, the other one that I'm looking at, right. uh, Vampire the Masquerade Rivals mm -hmm. from Renegade Game Studios, mm -hmm. that one, the way they're doing it, they started off with a Kickstarter for the core set. Right. And I imagine like subsequent sets, a lot of those are probably going to be kickstarted. And use that as a gauge of is there is there enough interest in this to get it printed? That's exactly how Ian Zen did it. Yeah, right. so that's that's gonna I think be gonna be a slightly better business model. It, that's it, that's similar to what uh, team our friends at Team Covenant and uh, Plaid Hat are doing in combination to do Ashes Reborn. Uh, so you know that's that there, it's a slightly different take on the model, but one of the things that I'm seeing that uh, Rivals is doing that FFG has never done correctly is they are is Renegade is thinking about card pool management up front. Right. Uh, so right. they're going to have they're probably going to have a faster rotation than any uh, uh, FFG product ever had. But they've also at the start, they're talking about having multiple formats, a format called ancient and a format called contemporary. I've seen talk about a little bit of talk about this on Discord. Ancient is just the entire card pool. It's kind of like vintage and magic, which goes all the way back to alpha and beta. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's what ancient is going to be. Then contemporary is the rotated format. 
So they'll have two ways to play, and so the the buy-in for cards never quite, you know, you you may not play Ancient very often, but at least you have a way to play those cards which are no longer relevant to the current rotated meta. Mm -hmm. So they're already talking about card pool management and doing things that are similar to the way that Magic the Gathering manages their card pool, which is how... I've been wanting FFG to do for a long time. I've been wanting them to have multiple formats. I've been wanting them to think more about card pool format and 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 having a good rotation scheme set up, and they've never done it. The reason FFG has never been successful with a competitive LCG, in my opinion. A got one collapsed under its own weight. There was so many cards and so many so many mechanics and so many things that it was impossible to play at the end almost. Netrunner was not. Netrunner was a success. Was a booming success. Yeah. They got to rotation. They they put in the revised core set, and that was a booming success. And that's one know. of the, that's one of the reasons why uh, their Nisei project has been um, what I would consider successful in a, in a fan in a fan um, created fan expanded fan and lengthened game for Netrunner mm-hmm. um, I, I, because see, they went I'm, out on top. FFG learned some lessons and and implemented some of those lessons. I still don't think they were necessarily successful with with Netrunner because Netrunner had a crap ton of balance issues and there were and um in the middle there right around what was it San San like it was getting unplayable for a while and there was just too much going on and there were too many balance issues with the game and that some of that could have been solved with a better rotation scheme I think. Uh, no, that was that. I know which one you're talking about. The Moonbat cycle. The Moonbat cycle is yes. the one that sent everything sideways, and that was, uh, I think, the fourth cycle. So maybe that could have been solved by, by rotation. But I yes, and Moonbat is largely seen as the the single worst cycle in the Netrunner in the Android Netrunner game. However, it made a hell of a recovery once they rotated and all that stuff went sideways when it went away then uh i mean the the i was there for that worlds i was there for that last hurrah that they had in uh that must have been 16 no it wasn't 16 must have been 15 Mm -hmm. um it was a or maybe it was 17 i can't remember now (laughs) it was a big deal Right. There was there was a lot of catharsis. There were a lot of tears and everybody was having a blast. And the game was going out on a very high point. There was a lot of diversity, you know, uh, as opposed to um, I, I, like Agot and Star Wars Destiny. Those kind of had a, for various reasons, just kind of folded. Right. And yeah. and uh, Conquest had their final. We had our final fi- worlds in 2016. And that was a big deal too. We had a cathartic event. We had a chance to really celebrate, and, and um, uh, it was it was great. That that game ended too too quickly. Um, well, but yeah. but mm. here's here's where I want to take it, if you don't mind. So, the, obviously, there were some announcements last week, not not this past week, but more than more than a week ago about November. Or sorry. Worlds 2021 for Keyforge and the uh, Star Wars games being canceled for 2021, mm-hmm. right? Because of the uncertainties of COVID, 
because historically those have been scheduled in to be in the first half of the year, and they just didn't see that happening, and I agreed with them. Yeah. And there was no mention of L5R. And I went, okay, this am I am I taking the bad am I taking the you know pessimist approach here? What's going on? And I said, no, because they usually have theirs in November. We you know L5R has their worlds, our worlds in November. And I said, okay, that's why they didn't mention L5R because it might still be on. And in my back of my head, I was like, I really hope it is because if we don't get a chance to have a final worlds given what I think is going to happen. And then soon. we get the triad of articles. Yes. And then we get the triad of articles and then they say, if, and when it'll happen. I really, really hope it happens. I, it's, I want to go. It's not FFG's fault. If, it, if COVID is in such a situation where they can't hold it in 2021, holding it in 2022, maybe it makes sense. Maybe not at that point. We're, you know, even late 2021, even November, 2021 is, six months after the last cards get released. Mm-hmm. So is, is, is that going to be the catharsis we all need? Conquest ended quickly. We knew it was the last one. We had two months to plan. The last pack came out uh, only like four weeks ahead of time, four weeks ahead of that. So, you know, we had cards going right up until the end. Netrunner, the same thing, um, or almost the same thing. So I just, I really hope we have a world. <laughs> I really hope we have a world. Me worlds. too. Me too. Play out. Yep. Yeah, It'll be cathartic, but I don't know if it, that'll be the catharsis that we would have gotten had we been able to have this in, say, July, right? Two months after the fact to really say well, goodbye. I th- uh, yeah. Because I, over that I, time, I people th- will have left the game, right? People will have just disengaged completely from the game. Hmm. Yeah. I hope that we get it, and 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 I hope that we can do it safely, and I hope that we can do it before the end of the year. But if we can't, I hope it's like January, February next year. Yeah, uh, at the yeah. at the latest. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's. I just I'm. I think yeah, we do need that catharsis. You know, do need to say goodbye to the game as a, because, at this point. Uh, you know, forward, we're looking at basically the Vitez model, which uh, um, our friend, uh, Tobin's and my friend, uh, Kelly Schultz, he plays, he's still a Vitez player. And Vitez has been dead since, what, 2010? Yep, that's when it ended. Officially. White Wolf, yeah. Yeah, but it's been kept alive online through a a similar setup to sort of like Nisei, uh, there there's there have been fan cards made and every year at origins there's a, a vitez worlds basically mm-hmm. they have a they have a a vitez tournament that our friend kelly goes to every year he um <laughs> and i think he actually won was it last year or the year before uh yeah so, two years ago and now yeah. yeah and now vitez is coming back in uh, there's a company called black chantry which is associated with uh, Black Onyx Game Studios, which is part of the big nebulous thing that's White Wolf these days. That's bringing out a fifth edition boxed, like to put into stores of Vitez. Onyx Path, maybe you mean? Onyx, yeah, Onyx Path. Yes. Onyx Path Publishing. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. No problem. Um, 
so yeah, Black Chantry is they they you can buy on drive through cards right now singles of just about every card from Vitez's history. You can buy starter decks, you can buy things like that. So you can you can still buy cards through drive through cards, but Black Chantry is also doing a boxed game of Vitez and it's coming back as a real product. So mm-hmm. that's been kept alive through fan interest and the 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 IP has changed hands a few times. But now this there the it's a, it's able to be brought back, you know, free from pretty much you know, free from White Wolf or whatever, you know, from that corporate governance that killed it the first time. But that's a game that's been kept going for 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 a long time. And so that's Well to be clear, Doug, know, the reason it died the first time was it sales. Well yeah. But yeah. right. Like it but just the, it just wasn't profitable any longer. Yeah. There's a but there's a, a dedicated fan community that's kept it alive and there's enough people out possibly make it a going concern again yeah so that's kind of one of my hopes for l5r but we'll see yeah keep in mind that um, ffg made it clear hold hold to the ip license for l5r Mm -hmm. to make other games and products for it so whether that works in favor or against that possibility is hard to say you know well so there's a company out there called pinebox entertainment that's pretty cool they're the ones who are maintaining doomed it goes in ties in with what tobin was saying is is the are competitive card games just as a as a genre like physical games dying which i don't think they are so pinebox entertainment is maintaining doomtown and putting out new expansions for it and they've done about one a year since they took over uh, and there's a, there's a dedicated player base like there's one store down here here in colorado in denver that does once a month they do a a doomtown event mm-hmm. uh so so it's still it's not as alive as it was, but it's still it's still out there and kicking and still being being maintained. And Pinnacle Entertainment Group, which owns the IP, is still very much invested in having Doomtown be a going concern. Uh, so Pinebox is also working on a couple other games with other IPs to so they're trying to become a like a competitive card game company. Mm-hmm. So that so there is a possibility there with and then there's Vitez possibly making a comeback. Rivals, uh, Vampire Rivals has got some some weight behind it. The Kickstarter was successful, and there's a growing community behind it. So much so that they're planning to start here in in, the, in a week or so uh, an, an online league for the game to to like as a season zero mm-hmm. before the physical product is even available. Mm-hmm. So, and then Ash is coming back with Team Covenant. You know, with Team Covenant you know, backing Ashes the way that they are and partnering with Plat Hat Games. I hope that they've got some really good OP uh, plans. I haven't heard anything about OP plans for for Ashes, but I'm hoping that they do that because, you know, one thing that a game needs, besides a strong player community, and that player community can keep it alive, as we've seen with Vitez and Nisei and things like that, you need OP. You You need some sort of organized play. You need a way for people to get together and have a tournament some, somehow. Well, mm-hmm. there's one of the little rewinds back into L5R too, which was the the um, the skill ceiling in L5R was so astoundingly high that OP had its own little uh, barrier to entry there too. Oh, yeah. gosh. So, yep. yep. It's an interesting one. Yep. It's like, looking at this here, what's going on with CCGs probably in the last couple of years, I'd say, um, at least, is kind of mirroring what goes on with MMOs. In the same way you have a couple of like big genre-defining dinosaurs hanging around, you know, like one or two major players. World and of then Warcraft. Else, World of Warcraft, like yeah. Right now it's World of Warcraft and FF14. Basically, yeah, the two the two MMOs. 
Like, there are other ones, but whatever. Those are the two MMOs, you know. Um, <laughs> that, that's pretty much how it goes. Ever. <laughs> yeah, and in the same situation you've got right now, basically, is you have Magic the Gathering and, frankly, Pokemon, right? Right. Yeah. Depending who you ask, th- those are the ones. Well, you well you have the, the competitive card games. I mean, Keyforge is in there, right? And yeah. Keyforge is the, uh, the Aaron Haltom, the lead designer for Keyforge. Uh, he recently spoiled that he's working on set eight. So mm-hmm. set five has is seeing release in the next few weeks. So they're 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 working out there on set eight um, mm-hmm. with the idea that unless something goes horribly south, they're going to publish set eight at least. So that's another couple of years of Keyforge. But yeah, but what I'm talking about there is the idea that in like the public consciousness, there are two card games. Right, in the same way there are two MMOs. There's hundreds of MMOs that they're very popular and successful in their own level. Right, mm-hmm. I'm I looking at the kind of getting a little bit back around to the LCG model and the card collectible card game model in general. If I was trying to do anything like that right now, if I was trying to get an LCG going, from what I've seen, I think one of the main things I would be thinking about is utter brutality in rotating card sets. Right, uh, accepting, I, the, accepting the accepting that the speed of your game's movement needs to be just slow enough to not um, disenfranchise regular players. Right, mm-hmm. so they're not completely like, "What the hell is going on?" But fast enough that a reg- that a new player can pop in and go, "Oh, hey, I'm at the start of a new set. What the heck?" You know, everyone right. else is about as confused as I am. Let's get in. You know, right. I can get my stuff. You know, it's that balance there. Um, yeah. You were saying earlier that, you, that Doug, you were saying earlier that um, you felt FFG never really got a handle on the LCG um, system. Systematically, maybe I would go with Tobin that Netrunner was a, a massive success, far bigger than we knew. I mean, I can talk to people who are not major gamers and are certainly not major card gamers, and they knew what Netrunner was with a certain amount. Of Fair it was a okay, big, it was a know, big thing. But I, I will let say me that L- let me rephrase then. Uh, okay, okay, I I will I will agree with you that Netrunner was a success. Mm-hmm. But I think I will change what I'm change my statement to it was a success in spite of itself and in spite of FFG. And I will I'm not I'm not not opposed to that at all. I would rider it with a big thing here is that and I'm gonna get highly critical here. FFG has been bad at learning from its L C G systems. True. And this is where I think the MMO comparison comes back in. It's really frustrating, and you've basically said this, to see FFG start OP systems and start methods of getting product to people and getting people in, invested in the game and not learning from the big dinosaurs that are already doing this successfully and have done it for so long, right? As you said before, the comparison of the the, um, the multiple play um, formats in, Vamp- in Rivals being, yeah. oh hey, Magic did that and it's been proven to work. Mm-hmm. So we should just do that from scratch, right? I mean, intro decks. Intro decks are a classic sticking point for us, you know? The, an, an initial thing coming out should be if you want a core set, great, but there should be intro products as well. Someone well, should be able to walk in and do a keyforge style thing, pay about ten right. bucks, and play a game. You know? You're absolutely right. So, here's some, one way that I think that both Ashes and uh, Rivals are doing things better than FFG. In Ashes, when you buy the box, the core set box of Ashes, it's what is it? Six pre-constructed decks, mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. like that. Five or six, yeah. Five or six, something like that. So, but you so you can just open the box, you know, look at each deck and say, I want to play this guy. They can't all be built at once. They do share some cards, but they have like they have potential. You can play any two of the people against each other. I thought you could play up to four. Can out of the course. Maybe you can. Maybe it's four. Yeah. I don't remember. I don't you remember. Could but, you could originally, but yeah. So and that's probably not going to change with the, with Ashes Reborn. 
Probably uh, not. But so, so you can get, yeah. So I can go into Ashes and have you know between two and four pre-constructed decks, and so I buy a core set. I've got these pre-constructed decks. You buy a core set, and you've got the same pre-constructed decks. And I can choose deck A, and you can choose deck B, and then we can swap and you know things like that. You know, you know. So there's there's you've got intro decks in the core set. Mm-hmm. When you buy when you buy the core set, you get the intro decks. You get pre-constructed decks. That's cool. Uh, so uh, Vampire Rivals is doing something similar, where it's going to have four clans in it, each in the core set, and each clan has a pre-constructed deck. And actually, they're going to be like shrink-wrapped pre-constructed decks, kind of like the core set for Marvel Champions did, where you had like the Spider-Man deck that was... You just took the shrink-wrap off the Spider-Man deck and you could play it. Mm-hmm. So... so so uh rivals is doing that with four clans so you so i buy a corset i you know i'll choose my clan out of those and you buy a corset you choose a different clan and we and we smash them against each other and have fun mm-hmm. so so there's that and and then in the in the corset for rivals there's a going to be an expansion pack that says you know don't open this until you've played your first few games and so there's some ability to customize your deck out of that expansion pack and it's going to have cards for all four clans so I think that's a good setup, and so maybe with that, or with the way with the way Ashes is done, Ashes the distribution model has always been every new expansion is basically just a pre-constructed deck with a new with a new personality in it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and, and and so so that and, keeps the buy-in low. Yeah, the and the, low. the 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 issue with going back to going back to. Carl's point, and to some extent, wrapping what your your latest points, Doug, is there's a relationship between rotation and the game itself, right? Yes. And so the rules of Netrunner allowed you to you had seven um, seven types of cards in Netrunner. You had three corporations and or four corporate four corporation four corporate types, right? And Three runner types, so you had criminal, yeah, anarchist, yeah, yeah. shaper, seven factions, and then you had basically. seven factions. So, but the way that deck construction worked is, you could take you if you chose Jinteki, you could use your influence points in the nomenclature of L5R. You could use your influence points for cards from any faction, any other faction other than Jinteki. The um, Oh, right. So, so you are we use... getting into restrictive deck building here? So, so the <laughs> well, that's what I'm talking about. The game being related to the 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 rotation, which is so that's Netrunner's deck building, which was less restrictive than L5R's deck building, which was choose one and use use your influence there. So what mm-hmm. happens is they have seven factions, but you can only you can only splash one. Netrunner, you could splash the other three or the other two in, in the runner's case, right? And then, so what you have is while Netrunner didn't, probably didn't rotate fast enough, but by the time they rotated, it was well needed. It was well acknowledged. Yay. And so, had, and so they had, rotated it to, to the revised set. But with L5R, yeah. They waited as much as they could because the fact of the matter is that each pack was not putting out enough cards for each other for each clan to have something more than one more than one type of play available to them, right? So the diversity 
while the diversity, I, I would argue that the that each pack in Netrunner was offering up more diversity to the game itself than a single pack of L5R was operating uh, was offering up to the game, and so. Agreed. Because that diversity is being introduced faster in Netrunner, a faster rotation can come. But because the because the diversity in L5R was not being as fast, that they had to wait on, they had to wait on that, and the game just didn't didn't fall out right. It didn't. What happens is things hang on, and you start getting these combinations because you're looking to get all the clans up to a certain level but it never really materialized for L5R. And because it was that slow, because the release was that slow, because the game, it was designed the way it was designed, which was looser. That's not necessarily anything it's bad or good. It's just different from Netrunner. It, it, the rotation was a big deal, right? So making yeah. those rotation decisions, knowing what the game rules are, like you say with Rivals and what might happen. We don't know what will happen with Ashes, but I know that they're rotating out some things with Ashes. But Rivals having two formats, that's good, right? Yes. Um, and, and so I agree with Carl. I wanted to make that point about complexity versus rotation because FFG learned, but they didn't learn quite specifically enough, mm-hmm. right? It sounds to me like what you're saying there is both in terms of its individual games you played and its metagame, L5R was a bit slow-paced, which would be true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then apparently Rally just broke it. I mean, I didn't get a chance to really play, but I've been listening to podcasts, and boy, Rally just busted things. <laughs> and <laughs> and I, we got a sense of that early because I got the you know first couple packs of the uh, – it wasn't the Temptation cycle. It was the other cycle. Um, Dominion? Dominion cycle, yeah. yeah Dominion, Dominion rally, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just hammer home on my point, on my view here is, um, and one thing I want to kind of get across what I was ranting about, shall we say? I would, I would be very interested to see if the next major product release for Rivals, for example, was a basically another core set. Like Doug was talking about the idea of having intro products within a within a core box. Like here's a box of intro decks. If their second main release, if their next thing they did was a Kickstarter for essentially another core set, which can be played on its own, that will have a different set of clans and decks, I would see that as learning one learning from the big mistakes of LCGs. Mm-hmm. Kind of my kind of my end, end, end feeling there yeah. is that will a a sense a sensible card game community of regular players will understand why that's happening and will go that's fine. I want to support the game. I'll get in. And a newer player will look at it and go. Oh, I don't have to buy everything. I can just get that. If I want to go and buy the other stuff, great. But to get in, I can just get this product, which is the new shiny thing too. So I've got impetus to buy it, right? I think there's also a... FFG is a board game company. And I think that works against them a little bit trying to do a competitive card game anywhere near anything like a TCG or an LCG. The With a board game... Every product that you release is some is some form of recurring revenue. You want you want you know because people have to buy the, the base set and you want people to keep buying the base set, the the base game. Mm-hmm. And then you know once they get into that you know they'll have you'll have some expansions that make the, that improve the game, give more play options, give more replay value. With a card game like L five R. Or, or or magic or anything like that, you need to look at the core set as something that is temporary. 
something that is you you release it once and it's one and done pretty much once 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 sales drop off of that you stop producing it you know because at some point all those cards are going to rotate out into either into oblivion or into your ancient format or whatever your your legacy vintage whatever format and they're they're they'll they'll just be the domain of a secondary market mm-hmm. at some point you you have to stop producing those and focus on what that you know what the game currently is and that i don't think they ever got past the we need to have this core set that is all that is evergreen yeah the, ever, that, the, ever, the single evergreen product yeah an, an issue yeah well i mean they're even rotating with keyforge right so uh they there was a um, remember back there was a pro tour there was going to be a pro tour in 2020 they announced yep. a, a money tour for keyforge and they were going to they said at that time that the only the latest 3 sets um decks from the latest 3 sets would be eligible for those and so i expect them to do some kind of rotation with that with Keyforge. I mean, we're looking, we are, we're only four sets in, so that would only eliminate one. The fifth set is getting released, like, as I said, you know, three, four weeks ago. Um, and Keyforge is a different animal. I mean, we're talking about vampire rivals. We're talking about customizable card games. Keyforge yep. is not a customizable card game. Customizable, it is a unique deck game. I still yep. love it. I, I, I think it's, I think it's fan-freaking-tastic. One of the reasons is it's simple, like we were talking about earlier. The rule set is not very complex to start up. Pick a house, no. play yeah. and use those cards, right? Try to get to six amber. There you are. Yeah. Uh, my my fear for L5R was also my fear for Keyforge um, during this COVID time, although I have seen there's been more activity on the Keyforge end online than there has been in L5R. Um, there's consistently uh, 40 to the sometimes 60 to 70 games online happening uh, on their online client, their, their uh, Keyforge techie, as it were, right? Is that still the, the Crucible online? It's the Crucible online, yeah. Yeah, so it started out, I think, as key techie <laughs> or something like that <laughs> because everybody's throwing back. Everybody's using that old Gentechi code uh, to start yeah. off. I mean, even Ashes Reborn has Ash Techie. <laughs> I saw the other day. I'm like, this is... Oh, it is a thing? Yeah, it is a thing. Oh, Ashtechie.net, I think. There's a bit of uh, inside baseball for you. Um, Eventually, there will probably be a rivals techie and things like that. Oh yeah, yeah right. uh, the Doomtown community is actually—I uh, forget what they're going to call it, uh, but the, it's basically right now they're calling it Doom Techie or something like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah, everybody's forking the the Gentechie.net source well, and that's how you can uh, you blame them? Yeah, yeah and, and and customizing it. No, and it's fantastic. And it Keyforge it. Online, like a Keyforge game online, takes fifteen minutes, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, a long one takes twenty-five like a slug fest and i've been involved i play i play regularly right i play regularly online um and it's a slug fest and it doesn't take a lot of mental energy i can be playing online while i'm talking to my buddies uh shooting the shit at the cigar place so there's the weight of and every time i thought about playing l5r online i'm like it's too heavy it's too i don't want to be i don't want to be there um 
And so I, I mean, think I think we're I think what we've seen is with the exception of Keyforge, I think L5R, I would be surprised if we saw a competitive card game coming out of FFG in the next couple of years. Uh, one, that they've le- learned the lesson, they need to go back to, and try to figure out what model works for them. But two, everybody's going to be recovering from this pandemic. So I don't yeah. think we're going to see anything before 2023. Well, honestly. I think I, I'm, I'm hoping that 2022 sees a just a a landslide of tournaments once you know once we've got you know herd immunity and you know a lot most people are vaccinated and things like that once it once we're getting you know COVID down to the point where it's more like the flu and the cold are these days where it's just a minor inconvenience and not a life-threatening thing uh then i think we'll see the, like a landslide of of tournaments and, and conventions and things like that being spun up because people will want to get together and get that human interaction again. And mm-hmm. so we'll see what happens, but you're right. It probably, we probably won't see another competitive game out of FFG for a while. And any, all the things that they've been hinting around at have been like co-op stuff or, you know, basically board game kind board gamey kind of things. So that's all that they've really been hinting at uh, in recent you know days and weeks. Yeah, there are some. So, I mean, they they did say in the article that more L five R products are coming and they're in development. So I expect to see those. Um, you know, talking about L five R as a property, I mean, I have great. the, I have all three of the novels that have been published by by Aconite Books. The, I've read the first one, Curse of Honor, um, and it was surprisingly quite good. Like. You know, like I didn't have high expectations. <laughs> I, I went in going, okay, this is going to be an IP novel. Uh, some of them, I, I've, I've read a lot of Warhammer stuff, and most of it was good. Some of it was absolute trash. So I was coming I, I think... in with a, let's hope it's, uh, I get to the end of this and I enjoy myself. And I, it tacked out above that. So yay. And the, I bought the other the two. The novellas have, have been those. good. Yeah, the novellas I... have been good too. I feel the phrase you're looking for, sir, if we can be completely brutal here, is you're expecting glorified fanfic. Yeah, that might be. That, I mean, might that, be. that, that, is, what, that is what I'd and be And it came in above for. that. And it came in above that. David Annandale is the first one. That is, is a, you know, a longtime novelist in, in IP novels, right? He worked well, for Warhammer and stuff like that. So he's has the experience. And he did a good job with Curse of Honor. I, 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 mm. do, I did, did enjoy that one. Sorry, was that Gray McNeil you said? Uh, David Annandale. Oh, Annandale, got you. Yeah, okay. Cool. I will I will withhold my opinions on Gray McNeil then. Great. Yeah, I don't know about McNeil. Like, I think I agree I, with I, you about McNeil. <laughs> not... I, say, I, say, I, I do know about McNeil. <laughs> Moving on. I will, yeah. I will, I will throw yeah. that shade out loud. <laughs> Throwing shade is not, nothing new. <laughs> no. as, as, someone who, as someone who is trying to write his own stuff, I will throw that shade. So there you go. <laughs> you know. um, so I guess... This Sorry, is a good point to, to start talking about where the fuck do we go from here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, there, there's you, Doug. You mentioned um, one group who's who were working together. Shashiniki. I've heard, I've heard there are two groups that have done have have kind of coalesced. Uh, my having done this, folks, I, I try to do this with conquest, and I was part of one group. And uh, we announced that we were doing this for Conquest. We were going to continue the game. We are going to do at least one expansion. 
we did it. We did the design. We did the play testing. We did the development. Um, well, and then from what I understand, on the last heels of that, right when we're doing this, a second group says, "Hey, look, we did all this. Look at these cards that we just put together, and we did it. And and this is the first we heard of it." So there were two groups, and eventually the cards didn't get along, and there were some breaks. There were some broken interactions between the cards because we didn't know one hand didn't know what the other was doing. So if I, I'm gonna, uh, I'll make this comment, and then I'll get off my high horse and let Doug and Carl speak, which is <laughs> those two groups need to come together as one. They're uh, doing that already. Honestly, like they they make sure that you have a structure and you follow the Nisei. The Nisei has a good model. There's no reason to you know to right use that as a starting point and go forward but don't and that's what they're doing yeah don't remain as to join as one well so i've been i've been paying a little bit of attention to the l5r discord regarding this and i'm also on the shoshi niki discord uh server uh although i'm just lurking there and what they're talking about is they're talking about you know governance structure like nisei the, the separate groups that have tried to spin up are like, hey, this is this group over here is already doing this. Why don't you go talk to them? And there's so there's already some integration of the groups. And there was also already some work. There was like Jade Jade East or Jade Jade's Jade something or other that was spun up like a couple months ago that was gonna do try to do some patches for the game. So this was already kind of in the works. And basically what's happened is the the moderate the the people who run the L5R Discord server have said unequivocally that they are going to follow whoever Jinteki chooses to adopt. So there's already a there's we're already looking to Jinteki not Jinteki, uh Jigoku, sorry. Jigoku. Close enough. We're, we're looking yeah, we're looking for G, towards Jigoku as the sort of the the gatekeeper of the community, whichever cards they choose to integrate, whichever group they choose to work with is going to be the winner. And so there's already talk of pulling all the, the community together, doing a Nisei style organization and trying to keep this all unified from the get go so that we don't have a situation like with conquest. And they're also talking, there's been, there's been a lot of talk about Nisei, about the Agot councils, about other groups that have that have taken over that you know the community management of a game because we've got a bunch of games out there that are, that are you know community owned and managed you know like I've mentioned before Vitez you know uh, mm-hmm. Netrunner uh, Agot and and a few there's there's several others so we they're looking to learn from those past successes and past mistakes so mm-hmm. the community I think is getting off to a good start with what they're doing and it looks like there's going to be, you know, there's going to be a, a governance council that, you know, talks about, you know, that sort of like the Nisei organization that is going to be an elected group. And they'll, so that there should be one organization that does, that produces cards for the, whatever they end up calling the game when it's in the, the fan version, because they can't call it L5R. Yeah, of course. Yeah, interesting one, you know? Um... I don't know. I I I find it kind of uh, difficult for on my part to get integrated into a lot of these or to get invested in a lot of these um fan-driven long ones. I don't know what it is. It's maybe because uh, pace of change and the amount of discussion going on is just something I don't. I, it's this is a very personal thing for me. I don't get as yeah. heavily involved in. So, but it'd be well, interesting to see. What, it's always been interesting to see what they come up with. So yeah, I I've yeah. stayed away from getting involved in Nisei because 
we got involved in L5R and we, we got involved in playtesting of it and that took up so much of my brain space. Mm. And and I just I I couldn't get Rain and Reverie, so I never I didn't have the complete game to to work with, and so I never got into Nisei. But I've been I in the past couple of days I went back and looked at Nisei, and they're they're getting to the point now where they're getting ready to do basically their own core set, and so once they get to the point of here's a core set that's print and play, and you know, and they've got and they give links to uh, card game printers where you can get you know physical versions of them made. You know, I it's possible that I could maybe might consider getting the latest core set for Netrunner, whatever they call it these days, mm-hmm. and looking at it. You know, because at that point, it's there's a clean break with the old cards. Yeah, but it's like, but my problem is that no one runter plays it anymore. Yeah, it's like it's a weird one for me because I I have no problem with a game being complete, even something that was trying to be, expand over time and to have a living change to it. You know. I, I I have no issue with something being and here is the full set of stuff. You know, here is the game yeah. as it is. Neither I quite I. like yeah, you know, I, I like grinding away and kind of figuring the other details in that. You know. And as as much I mean, I still enjoy everyone knows but I still enjoy new stuff popping up. It's always still the uh, Christmas every month effect of new packs and all that. But yeah, I well, I've um, once once everything does get settled down pandemic wise, I sure as hell want to go and play some Netrunner or someone. I've been jonesing that for a while. So so part of the, you know, I just recently got rid of all my Netrunner cards um, because I, I'm still sad that I wasn't able to get Rain and Reverie. Had I been able to get it, I might have kept them. I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever go back to Netrunner. We'll see. You know, never say never, right? Um, well, like I say, pl- playing the game as if it's a board game. I guess I'm, I've, I'm, I'm, I've found I'm more of a board game than I am a card game collector kind of person. Yeah. And that's fine. Well, so the thing, the thing about competitive card games is that so the reason why I think like Arkham and Marvel work as a an L, the under L, the LCG model from FFG is because there is no requirement to own it all. Yeah, totally. Uh, so you can just get stuff over time. Hey, I haven't picked up this uh, campaign for Arkham yet. I think I'll pick it up. Ooh, hey, look! Here's a you know an Arkham uh, hero deck that I don't, or a uh, excuse me, a Marvel Champions hero deck that I don't have yet, or a they hey they put out a new villain, I can you know okay I'll go pick that up or I'll I can uh they well I don't really want to play Juggernaut uh I'll wait on that pack and you know whatever mm-hmm. so there there's there's choice there with something like L5R Netrunner and this is gonna happen with Rivals and Ashes and. It's every competitive card game going back all the way to Magic the Gathering. That you have to have a lot of the product. In, in the case of a, of a collectible card game, a tradable card game, you have to be, you have to have, you have to participate in the secondary market. You have to buy certain cards to play, you know, some of the strongest decks in the meta, and to be competitive against some of the strongest decks in the meta. You have so that you have to be always buying new stuff. With something like L five R you really do need to own the entire card pool or at least the current rotated card pool because you need to keep up with the Joneses. If you stop buying the game, you stop being competitive. You, you fall behind because there, there are mechanics and abilities and things like that, that you won't have access to that are going to eat your lunch. 
So, uh, you know, imagine trying to, you know, go to Worlds with a deck that doesn't include Rally against a deck that does include Rally. Yeah, totally. You know, so things like that. Yeah. It'd be interesting because... So, so because because of that, because there's that treadmill of always something new, of an evolving meta, of a changing meta, of things being uh, of uh, you know that of mono no aware basically. That's a that's mm. a big part of even Magic the Gathering. Oh, of course. Uh, that I that you know, the the cards are impermanent. They, you won't always have the Sawa Tadaka. Eventually, a Sawa Tadaka, even if you know if he weren't banned, uh, <laughs> would be rotating out of the card pool and never to be seen again well yeah and and one of the also the things that you have with the co-op games versus the competitive games is the co-op games the feels bad moment are random yeah but if you have overpowered cards right you just you as a you as a uh, as a home player playing with your buddies or playing with your spouse what have you you can choose like, you know what, that that card is way too good. Or, you know, yeah. because Arkham and Arkham and I don't know champion so much, but I have heard in the Arkham uh, community that there are some broken cards and they've nerfed a lot of them. Right? Yeah, there, there are some. So, but the thing is, so, though, is that so- in those cases, because it's a co-op game, you just play the game as you want to play it instead of how it sh- how rules dictate it be played. Right, and right. That, that those co-op games like Marvel Champions, like Arkham, are always complete. There's, it's always a complete game for you know. I've got you mm-hmm. know if if I just buy the the Arkham core set and I love that scenario and I just want to play that scenario over and over and over again, I can do that. A a, a competitive card game is never complete, and that and the 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 community that a, a competitive card game draws never wants that game to be complete. So. With L five, some people will be fine with L five R being a complete game. They'll get the Shadowlands expansion and just play that, and just play it as a board game of I'm just going to play against the Shadowlands and just be happy. But the majority of the community, one of the draws is the competitive meta that's always evolving, and that has to be kept going somehow. So that's why the Shoshini Key, you know, Nisei things like groups like that spin up. And they need, and those, so if the game is to is to have any sort of life beyond the completion from FFG, it needs that. So I can see, you know, Carl, you're more of a board gamer. Then that's that's great. But for someone who's more of a who is more of a competitive tournament sort of play tournament spike sort of person, that that's never that's not going to be good enough, and they'll have to move on to something else because that's what they desire in their game. So in order, so yeah, it's it's for some people just having all of the all of the FFG produced stuff is going to be great, but for some that's for a, a large percentage of the community, that's not ever going to be good enough. So if this group doesn't get spun up fast enough and start producing new content, the game will truly die. Well, but I also I agree with you that the the group needs to get spun up and communicate. Yeah, and they're doing how that, how quickly they start producing new content. Take your time, right? Like the say <laughs> did some things early, did a few cards early, and then took their time on organization on getting events established, and they 
to their to to the best of their ability, they did hold the regionals and a worlds in 2020. It was all virtual, I think, but it was held. So they had the structures in place to do so, but it took time, right? Like that, that they held that in 2020. They they didn't go immediately and have a worlds a year after, right? Um, the FF, the last FFG world. So it well, so take your time, you know, get the products out as you can. Well, Don't nothing's going to happen. Right. Nothing. Nothing's going to happen. We've got three more, or what is it? The 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 fourth pack of the current cycle just dropped. Is what you said earlier. Yep. The fourth pack just dropped. So we've got uh, five, six, and then uh, shadow under fooling shadow. So we, we basically have three months from 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 the drop of the fourth pack. We've got pack five, pack six, and then the Shadowlands box. So you've got basically three months of releases to to get spun up. And to 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 get at least a governing council and to start talking about things, and then pretty much right away they need to start playtesting. What well, after after the Shadowlands box is out, you know, within a few weeks of that, they really need to be have the group able to start actually playtesting cards and designing cards. It well, doesn't have are, to those be. Those are two very different things, Doug. Like the like <laughs> cards get designed multiple times like tyler tyler and aaron they you know they go through iterations of cards before they get to a point where they're open for play test right uh, so yes and no so yes they're designing a, gr- a group of cards at a time but those cards get in internally play tested almost right away we don't see that internal playtest. We just see the external playtest as playtesters for FFG. We don't see the design process where they're where they're taking initial cards and doing like you know scribbling something on a on a piece of paper, putting it in a sleeve, and trying to play with it. Right. But I guess what I'm saying is that that you're putting weeks on this, and I and I wouldn't expect playtesting to begin in earnest for a month or two at least, because it takes that long to design. 25 cards i mean wait yeah. you know part well, of the organization they have to do is are they gonna are they gonna design 20 cards at a time are they gonna design you know 150 cards at a time there's though those are the choices they have to make and right you know are they gonna do uh clan only things are they gonna one but card per clan i'm not talking about having a finished product the month after shadowlands you know the, what I what I mean by getting going and getting you know design and playtesting. There needs to be visible movement to keep the game alive. Right after the Shadowlands box drops, otherwise you're going to immediately start shedding players. Yeah, actually, they're already and, and, starting to shed. And players. I think and I think that 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 goes to the communication. So yeah. the this organization has. You're, I think you're right. You know, three months to get off the ground. Uh, organize and then start communicating regularly right yeah however regularly that might be every couple of weeks would be perfect every couple of weeks is probably be the happy medium once a month is not enough once a week is probably too much but because this is a volunteer organization you know every couple of weeks would be my expectation but you're right yeah that we're going to lose players are going to leave sad to say probably half of them will leave Probably, you know, Seriously. buy that last pack and, and be done. Right. Yeah. And we'll see what happens with, uh, with us. Even I plan <laughs> to buy, you know, print, whatever, you know, buy off of drive through cards. I hope they have, 
I hope whatever whatever cards that the community L5R group produces that I can get off of drive through cards or someplace like drive through cards. Uh, and uh, Nisei is, is doing that, and that's great. And I want to be able to buy physical product. I want to be able to collect these cards still. Yeah. And uh, so whether, I, but I don't know how much I'm going to play. You know, it, it really depends on you know you and Carl and Jason and Sal. You know, th- those are the people that I play with regularly. You know, Eric. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what are you guys playing? Are mm-hmm. uh, you know, are we all playing Rivals together? Are we all playing Ashes together? Are we playing something else together? Right. So, so it's really depend on. And so for a lot of people, it really it depends on their play group, and that's that's I'm in that that category. But there's a lot of people who love this game, want to keep it going, and are going to try to stay with it. Like our friend Kelly has stayed with Vitez for as long as it's been around in whatever format it's been available, and he's still playing it and still collecting it as he can. So people like our friend Kelly, I hope I, I want there to be something that allows them to do that and so that's why i want this group to get founded quickly get off the ground get going and start actually like doing the design process of new cards so that they're so that those people so i I like the game to live i want the game to live beyond ffg Mm -hmm. because this is the the really the first time that i have been this heavily involved in the production of a game Right. I've done I've done play testing of RPGs before, uh, but this but being involved in the core set of L5R, you know, really gives me a lot of ownership in it. And having been and having been a play tester through a lot of the material, you know, I feel a deep sense of ownership. And so I want the game well, to was not it die. First, it was core set and first two cycles, was it? And then I two psych. I, I stopped after the scorpion pack because I just, if I remember correctly, because I just, yeah. I, yeah. I was burnt out. And then I did a little bit of the of skirmish with you, a little bit of the Shadowlands box, and was there any, was there other? I th- oh, the crab pack I helped a little bit with, and I forget what else. Yeah. So I, I missed like the dragon pack, lion pack, crane pack. Yeah, I don't think I did. I think I stopped after. I think two years of playtesting was where I stopped, and then I did Fuling Shadow. But otherwise, I was I just I was the proofreader editor for for the rest of the sets that I didn't playtest for. So, yeah. and that's and and you're right. Like there's there's a bit of bit of me that kind of feels the same way that that I hope it goes on. And I mean, this game and po- podcasting with Tracks of Sector opened up the 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 possibility to play test L5R uh, and then that opened up the floodgates for play testing. And now I'm play, I, I'm a regular play tester for a couple of designers and uh, more than a couple of designers. And it's a wonderful thing. I love it. Uh, I've also become, I've also, uh, for those of you who, who want to become play testers, c- contact those games, contact those designers if you have their personals and, and say, hey, I want to do this. But it ain't all that in a bag of chips. <laughs> it's hard work. It is um, hard work. And it requires regular things. And it's interesting because um, you get you throw out this net and people come in. And then as a experienced, quote unquote, experienced playtester, I'm like, oh, excited. This is a big group. 
and then nothing happens, right? So like all of a sudden, you know, I'm one of three people who are regularly posting in a group of, you know, 50 plus people. So yeah, playtesting is playtesting is not easy, but it is fun, right? It does require mental energy, but it is enjoyable. There is reward to it, but you need to be uh, of a certain mindset and be a realist about these things. And, and I've, you know, now I get, I get to do jobs as uh, editor and proofreader for rule sets and cards and what have you. And I love it. Um, my experience with this game and, and the, those before it is, is a uh, heavily impacted my life. And it's, it sucks. Um, it sucks now. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. Well, like I, like I opened with, kind of Tobin, you and I specifically have been in this situation before, which is the whole. Well, this uh, this podcast is going on to something else, I guess. You know, with the departure of a, a game from the mainstream sphere. Yeah, you know, um, we talked about that before starting recording. I don't think there's um, a specifically Vampire Rivals podcast yet. Well, no, okay, all right. <laughs> uh, we were talking about going to continuing the Warcast theme. Uh, for those of you who don't know, we were well, you probably know by now. The Traxxas Sector Warcast. We we did the Conquest one, and now we're now, now with this generation, we're the Art of Warcast, and we were thinking about going to something Warcasty. Mm-hmm. Tabletop Warcast is kind of striking us right in the good center you know, gooey center right there. So that might be what we iterate to, uh, which is uh, tabletop forecast. And that's, we haven't exactly finalized the format, but we would be a more general podcast for analog and perhaps video games or mm-hmm. analog games <laughs> over video or <laughs> whatever form games take, maybe. Yeah, we'll see. Well, we, you know, it's it's funny. This is episode sixty-five. Which is episode a hell of a run, by the way. Yeah, Jeez. episode fifty. Uh, I remember asking if we had fifty more in us, and we're like, "Yep, we do." Um, unfortunately, it turns out the game didn't have fifty more in it, um, well, which yeah. sucks. Well, where where would we roughly be up to if we had kept going? We'd be like getting to the eighties at least, wouldn't we? If we kept the same schedule going. Uh, yes, that. we would have yeah. been fifteen or twenty. We'd been eighty, eighty-five, somewhere in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Between the pause between the March uh, and the July episodes, and then the the longer pause between July and here, um, we probably would have been in another twenty episodes. We were averaging about twenty a year. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I think I think it's also worth mentioning something we haven't hit on quite as hard with the um, FFG stuff, which is I'm confident that without the pandemic issues, that L5R would have brought itself to an end relatively soon. I feel that COVID sped its um its demise along, shall we say? Didn't didn't, didn't make the, it was it was inevitable anyway from where the way the game was with the financial model of the game was going. But I think that the the issues of last year is what brought it to happen now. You know. Well, I think I. Uh... That's what I was I trying figure. to get at. And I think skirmish was the last hurrah to, to tip the scale the other way, Carl. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. I think skirmish, the intent of skirmish was that the company had said, at some point, the powers that be said, we're going to end this game mm-hmm. sooner rather than later. Skirmish might have been an attempt by Tyler, by the powers that be, to say, okay, 
see if you can get more people. Uh, and then that didn't take off. So we will never know if, if skirmish oh, yes. was going to be the thing. But I, to, so I disagree with you a little bit. I think L5R, the weight of it was getting too heavy. Skirmish was a way to maybe lighten the load, but it never had a chance to get its work. Well, out. we maybe never so. really got to rotation. No, we didn't. We didn't. Mm-hmm. We didn't get the rotation yep. at all. Didn't even get close. Yep. So, <laughs> you know, so so rotation would have. We probably, if if it weren't for a pandemic, we'd either be talking about rotation or just post rotation right now, right? Mm-hmm. Something like that. I think you know, codifying skirmish and making it a. You know, in having that be in the rules reference as one of the officially, you know, the you know having officially supported things in the rules reference that say, "Here's how you play the game." Possibly reprinting the rules insert out of the core set to include skirmish, so that future buyers of the core set would get the skirmish rules. Things like that, which I would imagine would have been things that they would look would have been looking at to do for the game. Yeah, uh, I think those would have kept it going for another few years. Uh, and then perhaps, it would have definitely, perhaps it would have yeah, gotten us to so. rotation and then at rotation, maybe it would have, uh, you know, gotten us to, you know, the, the, that would have rotate, you know, that would have, uh, Lord, the barrier of entry enough to get some more people into the game. Yeah. We'll never know. I mean, yeah. Now, if there's one way to go out, it's going out with under shadow. Like I said before, I think this, this was a monumental set. I I like it. I'm excited to get it myself. I think it'll be a good coda for the game from the FFG standpoint. I look I, forward to seeing what people come up with, right? Yeah, that'll be great. I'm looking forward to seeing what the fan content is. I think it's going to be awesome because the fan content from Nisei has been... It started off a little rough, but it's been getting better and better. So I think there's going to be good content coming out of the community. And so I'm kind of excited for that. One thing that I really, one of the things that I think sunk this game from the beginning is the fact that it was two player only. And then that stronghold, stronghold format is so heavyweight. If we had had something like skirmish or multiplayer or co-op from the beginning, as an as a as an alternate format that was supported in the rules in the core set from the start, yeah, I think I, that also now I, I could have given the game more life. I I, I don't want to get into this too much because you know we're getting to an hour and a half now. But the the original design well. the, the original designers the the designers Brad and Eric and and um, Nate were were in a hard space. They were in a hard space. They had to produce a game that was re- reflective of the old CCG and would draw those people in. Yeah. Of, of right? years of producing of the old CCG. years of 20 years of producing of, of games. And they had multiple editions in which the rules changed in some ways, in some small ways and sometimes in very large ways. And so, but there's one they thing had, that they was had always to honor that, game yes while also well well but also considering you know that that game rules and game design had evolved 
at least a decade since some of those rules had been put into place. Um, That's you, true. You talked about VTES. I played VTES from day one to day, day, day last day, 2010. Uh, I'm not at all interested in getting back in it because it still uses 1994 card rules. Like that's, it's still that same game from 1994 and card design and card games have gotten so much further ahead. Like it's 26 years forward. Um, But here's, here's the thing that again, something that I think that ashes has done right. That I think uh, rivals is doing right. That uh, some other, uh, some other, expandable card games have done right is they're including multiplayer rules from the start so yeah like, it's a it's yeah rivals has a two-player mode and a four-player mode and you know their uh ashes has you know you you know it's been it's from you know you can either have it as a duel or you can have it as a multiplayer thing uh doomtown i believe uh is the, is the same way you know Agot was that way although it is not a good example of this because it died pretty quickly twice yeah, well, uh, I mean, so the original Agot was more multiplayer focused than the what do they call it? Battle, whatever. Agot it was. two, whatever. yeah, yeah. Uh, melee. Yeah. It was melee and joust. Melee, that's it. Thank you, melee and joust. That's the one. So one of the things that, I mean, again, this you know, this is this is you know, armchair quarterbacking and all mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. But one thing that people wanted from the beginning with this game and and should have been included was multiplayer, because the original old L five R the CCG was multiplayer from the start you could play it either as a duel or as i think it was up to four uh i'm I'm not sure exactly how i don't remember exactly how big multiplayer games could get but it was i know it was at least four player so you know that that is something that could have possibly given the game more depth more breadth whatever you know given uh given the game a little more life you know early on and you know and maybe had you know would have changed things. So, well, how many? I don't know. I'm gonna say. I, 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 I know. think I'm, I'm with Doug on this one because how common was the call in any forum you went into, in any form you want to pick, of people going, "When's multiplayer?" Like from the release of that game, it was the most common response. Yes, yeah, it I'll, was. I'll play when multiplayer right here. away. Yeah. Heck, it was before yeah. the game even dropped at Gen Con 2017. I hope mm-hmm. there's multiplayer. I hope they, they, they yeah. should need to yeah. have multiplayer. Oh, yeah. Is it ever going to be multiplayer? It's mm-hmm. got to be multiplayer. I think you're right. It's, it was so heavily inculcated into the DNA of people who, when people thought about L5R, yeah. they thought about multiplayer. Yeah, I, I can get I get that. It was a fundamental part of the CCG. Mm-hmm. And like you say, with... One, well, but, one, uh, uh, and, and it would be interesting, because I don't disagree with you, but it would be interesting to see what happened with the game with Children of Empire, which was the the, the multiplayer expansion, right? Yeah, yeah. Getting, getting some life, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if that breathed life into the game or not. We, we won't ever know that, but but it'll be interesting to find out. I'd, I'd just like to pull up one last moment too. The mental image of going out under Fu Lang's shadow is quite amusing. Oh yeah, the, Shadow, <laughs> the, the Shadowlands one. Yeah, Shadowlands <laughs> one, baby. Shadowlands one. No, it's not that. It's the the last moment. The last moment of FFG's L five R card game is that battle eternally. eternally. Yeah, 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 yeah. The clan, the clan, the clan heroes, the set, the, the thunders, right, standing against Fu Lang. Yeah. The day of thunder. Yeah, yeah. and there's uh, there's three, there's three Onis in there. I can't remember. I think there's three or four. I'll, 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 there were, I'll, I'll wait and see when we get it. Lords. Yeah, it was. 
It's fantastic. It's funner than hell. It gives it, it gives you some way to to play uh, with your you know just you against the deck. Um, there are definitely cards that you are never gonna play in the deck because they don't they don't matter. So the, in your deck, you would the, the 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 cards that you're gonna play three of in a regular game of L5R are gonna be cards that you're never gonna play against the shadow deck because it doesn't matter. <laughs> like it doesn't have any effect. So it's, well, a, they, it's a whole, whole different thing. It's a whole new way of playing the game. And I liked, I liked testing it. It was fun. Yeah, it was, it was fun. Awesome. Uh, the, there are cards in there that are meant for the two player dueling format uh, that, yeah, don't really work in, in the, the uh, co-op Shadowlands format. Right. Right. And there's a couple, uh, of, there's a Phoenix and stronghold and a, uh, Scorpion Stronghold as well. So that's cool. All right, folks. Uh, so as we teased, we're going to kind of maybe m migrate to another type of Warcast. Um, but it has been uh, a pleasure to have done this podcast and to hear from our listeners and to engage with you in the ways that we have. I I'm sad to... Uh, I. I I want to keep podcasting, so I'm going to be doing that. But I'm sad to get away from the singular game podcast uh, that well, we've been doing for so you, long. You, you say that, but we were so good at wandering that we've been, in some ways, been doing a slightly more generic game cast for some time. Yeah, frankly. maybe so. Maybe yeah. so. <laughs> well, yeah, because we do talk a lot about Keyforge. We've talked a lot about other games. We t t certainly talked a lot about Netrunner in this podcast. Yeah. Over the years. I mean, to be fair, Doug, we, we talk a lot. <laughs> we all do well it's it's hard it's hard to talk about a single game without bringing in context of other games totally exactly so no, no one's talking about it back right completely agreed i don't know go out and buy keyforge <laughs> <laughs>